Hi, and welcome to the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast, where the main mission is to educate, equip, and empower families who are caring for their elderly loved ones. We will discuss resources, how to be our best selves, and ways to define success to create success. I am Erin Thompson, a 20-year veteran in the senior living industry and a 15-year family caregiver, and I cannot wait to add value to your life. It's Erin, the host of the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast. Welcome back to an episode that's going to be full of fun and interesting topics. I believe today I want to discuss the need for connection. And we're also going to talk about accepting things for what they are and the way they are. And how I want to really talk about these topics are I'm going to give examples of some of the experiences that I have had that inside of a community that kind of forces me to be like, hey, we just need to let it be the way that it is because A, there's no point in fighting it and it brings them joy. And some funny takes on, did that just happen? Yes, it did. So we will talk about accepting things for the way they are. Um, When you work in assisted living or you're caring for an elderly loved one who decides to say exactly what it is they're thinking at all given times, some funny things can happen. And we as caregivers have a choice. We can certainly internalize that and um, not like our loved ones as much as we used to, or we can just kind of let it roll off and say that it's funny. For example, when I was working in assisted living and I was pregnant, I had residents literally talk about me in front of me, but I was behind them talking about how how dare she not wear maternity clothes. Now, I was seven or eight months pregnant, and I was clearly wearing maternity clothes, but in their eyes, I was not wearing maternity clothes. And so their judgments of me were fierce and many, and I could just do nothing but laugh because they didn't understand that maternity clothes had stylized a little bit more than what they were used to. So it was funny. I've also worn clothes that have been made people ask me if I was pregnant because that question got asked a lot. <sighs> How many times have you accidentally asked somebody that question and it wasn't true? And I feel like that question getting asked to me, and it was only one dress actually that I wore, and almost every time I wore it, I got asked that question because of my first job at Blockbuster Video. They asked somebody how far along they were and they weren't pregnant. Now you can imagine, I thought that the world was going to swallow me whole. And I believe that's why my residents asked me all the time when I wore that dress, if I was pregnant. So I just took it with a grain of salt and rolled on and didn't wear that dress very much. <laughs> there was a time when I was working at a Catholic community. I had a mother of a nun mother of one of the sisters who ran the who was responsible for the community in my memory care and we had this constant battle with her mother regarding her teeth her mother clearly had false teeth and over time had lost a bunch of weight not necessarily inside the community but just over time and those teeth did not fit her and she didn't like those teeth and so she threw the teeth away she hid the teeth she did everything she could not to wear the teeth. And we were on a constant chase to try to find 
those teeth. And this particular sister would come to me and ask me all the time what we were going to do about the missing teeth. Now, mind you, we found them in the garbage can, which is, you know, in and of itself a problem. We found it in between the mattress pad and the box springs. We found them in between the cushioned seat and the chair. We found them underneath the shiffer robe. And finally, by, I don't know, the 25th time I got I was asked that question, I said to the sister, I said, I don't think she wants to wear her teeth. I don't think they're comfortable. Can we listen to those behaviors and respect what she's trying to tell us? Because this resident couldn't tell us that they were uncomfortable, that they were hurting her mouth. But she could tell us with her behaviors that she didn't want to wear them loud and clear. And being responsible for someone's teeth is certainly a real critical problem and a real strange problem at the same time. And finally, we agreed that we would not worry about the teeth. And her mother did just fine without her teeth. Chewed her food, ate good. And you'll find over the course of time that teeth become cumbersome to dementia residents, residents with cognitive impairments, when they lose weight, which sometimes happens. And so we have to kind of look at that and say, yes, we want our loved ones to have teeth. Yes, we want them to be able to chew properly. But nine times out of 10, eh, maybe eight times out of 10, the residents who don't want to wear their teeth can still chew properly. I've seen it dozens of times. And I use that example a lot in the sense of when we are struggling with trying to give the best care we can to somebody who's suffering from dementia or any type of cognitive impairment, we have to understand when we learn to accept things for the way they are or to strive to make them different. And I think there's wisdom in knowing the difference because teeth hurt if they're too big. If they don't want them in, they will take them out if they cannot express themselves. We'll take my son for an example who is on the autism spectrum. And when he was five years old, he had an uptick in behaviors that I could not figure out why. He was really causing scenes in the classroom, um, just couldn't figure it out. Well, come to find out, he had a really, really bad cavity that I was not aware of. It was really, really bad. When I actually looked in his mouth, I saw the hole in his tooth and I was like, oh my God. And that cavity was in direct, that cavity was in direct correlation to all the gummies and candy that he had while he was potty training. He was a late potty trainer and I did everything I could to try to make it work, and I killed one of his teeth. And he couldn't tell me that his mouth hurt or that his head hurt or all the things, but he literally acted out. And so I found the problem, and we went and got it fixed. The sister who was taking her teeth out and not telling us that it was uncomfortable when they were in is telling us that they are uncomfortable that they're in because she's taking them out and throwing them away. If you have a loved one who is literally taking things off and throwing them away over and over again... I would tell you that they don't want it, that you should take it away from them and you should put it in a safe place, whatever it is, because that's a sign. Here's your sign. I don't want it. And when you're moving, if you are choosing to move your loved one into a memory care community or even an assisted living community, it's important to not bring things that are invaluable to the community and also understand that when you bring stuff inside of a community, specifically a memory care community, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to keep it. And there's no guarantee that if it's lost, that we can find it. And I'll give you another example, because 
it's not enough to tell you that somebody doesn't want their teeth. I'm going to give you more proof of that concept. We had a resident that was in memory care that wore big jewelry <clears throat> when she was in assisted living. And I asked the family to make sure that we took that jewelry off. And the family said, no, that resident always wears the jewelry. And it caused us great concern. You know, the family was like, they never take it off. So we're going to let her keep it as long as she wants. Not two days go by and a ring is missing. We found one ring in the activity room and the other ring was off. Straight panic mode ensues and we find it under the bed. Residents don't need big jewelry. When the value of what the jewelry is, is no longer there, then they don't need it. They don't need it. We want them to have it. Some of the best things that I have seen are when jewelry does still matter to a resident and has significance, families will replace the real thing with something else. That is value because the family gets to keep the hard value and the resident gets to keep the emotional value. Another instance of accepting things for the way they are is when it comes to clothes and the way they dress. We'll just use me and my son for an example. If he gets himself dressed, I have a choice. I have a choice of saying what he did was amazing, great job, you look fantastic, and choosing to keep on what he has because we're building confidence in that and I have to accept it for what it is. Or I could say, no, no, we didn't make a good choice and we have to do this. And it's not necessarily promoting confidence and independence. And I think the wisdom lies in where we're going and how we do it. Do I allow it if we're not going anywhere too important? And then if we're going somewhere important, how do I frame? That's not exactly what we need to wear to this event. So let's go and choose another outfit. We have residents inside of memory cares all the time that get themselves dressed. It is not necessarily what you and I would choose. And it may have five different layers. And we have to make a choice on what to do. We see this a lot in men, but we see it a lot in women too. But in the instances that I can think of, it's men. They get dressed and they have five different shirts on and three different pants on. I don't know how they do it but it happens. At some point, we have to take a few layers off, certainly when it comes to five. But when there's two layers, do we allow it to be or do we step in? And I think if we make the offer and we are denied, I think that we have to respect the boundaries. But we can always make the offer a few times because it's that line of do we accept it for what it is or do we make a point that what was done was wrong. And I think that's the wisdom is knowing the timing of it, how to handle it, and does it really matter? Can we accept it for what it is? Another aspect, another funny thing inside of a memory care community would be when a resident says they're cold, another resident may offer a coat. We've seen it dozens and dozens of times. And this one incident happened where a family was moving their loved one to another state to be closer to another family member. And they asked where a particular jacket was. I knew what the jacket looked like. I had seen the jacket many times. And I knew if it wasn't in the resident's room, Lord knows where it would be. And so I'm panicking a little bit, trying to find the jacket. And then the next thing I know, another resident walks by 
and they are wearing the jacket. How in the world that resident got the jacket, I have no idea. No idea. But favor was granted to me on that day because I got the jacket and I was able to give it to its original owner. We had three residents on a particular area of a community in a memory care that I worked at, and they literally swapped clothes all the time, all the time. It was, it was uncontrollable and it kind of faded in and out with other residents and we had to try to find the clothes, but it was, they were, they were the gal pals and they literally swapped clothes all the time. There was no controlling it. And so we had to learn how to accept it and explain to the residents what was going to the family members, what was going on. And, you know, as long as we were proactive and talked to them about what was going on and it brought the residents joy, we were able to kind of somewhat manage that situation. But then we would have a resident that would call the family and talk about how they had no toilet paper and people were stealing the toilet paper and come to find out the toilet paper was hidden and we found it. Or another situation where residents would go into another resident's room and take shoes. <laughs> we would be on the great shoe chase trying to determine where those shoes went. So when we have dementia or working in a memory care community, um, there are lots of small little nuances that happen that are hard to manage and where we have to say, did that really just happen? And where do we accept some things and then try to change the others? We had a resident one time in assisted living, I'll never forget, where she wanted six grapes, all meals, only six. If you gave her five, she would want him, she would bring them back. If you gave her eight, they would say too many. It was six grapes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. You can have six grapes. That could be considered lots of things, but what it was is us respecting her and loving her enough to give her six grapes. That's important. That's important. In memory care, we had a resident that would walk around. Well, we don't have just one resident. I mean, this is certainly very common in probably every memory care that you could ever live in or be in, um, who would walk around and just have this need to touch and take. And we had one time on this nurse's station, we had a wreath that was really, really cute. And it had a lot of band-aids and different nurse type things and first aid. It was or decorated very, very cute. And over the course of one holiday season, it was completely picked bare. And it's those are the those are the memories that I have that stick with me. Cause this was years and years ago. That when we choose to accept things for the way that they are, those things can be endearing and cute and sweet. And then there's the wisdom where the wisdom is, is in that gray area. When we stop trying to force things that just are not possible anymore and accept where we are on our journey and allow the peace and the love to flow through. Another example would be with my son. We had an instance here recently where he is OCD and likes a routine at night. And he was not having the best behaviors. And so we told him that, no, I don't think you're going to be able to watch TV unless you go to sleep. 
you have to go to sleep. The quicker you go to sleep, the quicker you wake up to watch TV. That's the line. But we were trying to use the TV as leverage to get him to calm down, to let him leave his sister alone, and just to wind down and go to sleep. Well, because we wouldn't tell him that he could watch TV in the morning, he completely lost his footing. He lost his center. He was distraught. He couldn't stop crying. It was like he couldn't focus. And so finally, I said to him, the quicker you go to sleep, the quicker you can watch TV. And he said, okay, I'll go to sleep. But what we were doing was trying to leverage something that we thought would motivate him to go to sleep. But in all actuality, it created emotional distress. And the soothingness that he needed was that he can watch TV because he feels as if when you say no, it's no forever. And I've seen that same concept with people with dementia When you say no, it means forever. And I have learned between my son and working with people with dementia that you say not right now, but in a day. And that eliminates the stress of of no meaning no forever. If I wanted my son to share something, at first he wouldn't share. And then I learned that when he shared, he thought he would never get it back. And so I said to him, if you will share with your sister for 10 minutes, I'll give it back to you. And he had no problem sharing and he still doesn't. And so I use that concept for when we move into assisted living or memory care communities and we say, you're here for the next 30 days. There is acceptance from somebody when you say you're here for the next 30 days. There's a level of acceptance, not necessarily 100% true acceptance, but it's not forever. I made that mistake one time when I told a resident that she would be here and she asked me, how long am I here? And I said, you're here for a long time. This is where you live. And then she started chasing me (laughs) down the hall. And I realized at that moment that I cannot tell people the truth because they cannot accept it if you're a resident inside of a memory care community. So we, I learned from that example, from being chased around the community, because she was a very young resident. She was not an old resident. And from my son's sharing, trouble with sharing, that the awareness of time is not necessarily the same awareness as mine and yours, but the concept of forever is intact. And so if we can reassure people that there is a time frame that something will end, then they're calm. The game is, is that every day you're here for 30 days, 30 more days. Because typically if you're in a memory care community, they don't, they're not tracking how many days it's been towards 30 days. So this has been my way of learning how to accept things, teaching people how to accept things and finding the wisdom of when to act to change a situation and when to allow it to be and just accept it. The wisdom is in the gray areas. And only you as a family caregiver know your loved one well enough to know which one works at what time. And then inside of the community, the associates inside the community would be able to help and learn that as well about your loved one. So in summary today, the wisdom is in the gray area. And when you're struggling with how to 
approach something that may be out of the ordinary in the social world, the social norms of the situation, ask yourself, does it matter? What matters more in this scenario? The independence, the successful, whatever it may be, or correcting the wrong? And then if it is correcting the wrong, because we certainly have those situations, how we approach that wrong is important. You did such a great job, but the outfit doesn't match the place that we're going. Why don't I give you two options to choose from? Or you're going to be here for the next 30 days while we go and do this. Or the doctor says this is probably the best scenario for the next 30 days, but we're going to be right here with you and we're going to come and visit you and this is a great place. Or can you do this for 10 minutes for me and then we'll change to something else. If we start a conversation or a transition stating what was done wrong, then we might get an outcome, a behavior, that's not necessarily what we wanted. But if we start with, you did such a great job, thank you so much, then I think you might get the behavior that you want and it might be easier to transition. So just food for thought. Sometimes in those gray areas, it's where we need to focus so we don't have the negative outcomes that create what I like to call an emotional tornado. I hope this helps today. Caregiving is hard. Parenting is hard. Leading is hard. But when we take the time to look at the small things and figure out an approach, the right approach for the right moment, it can be easier. So just remember, the best is all that's required. Give yourself credit and a little bit of grace. Have a good day. Thank you for listening today to this episode of the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast. This podcast audience is growing quickly and I am so excited about that. And I just want to invite you to our Facebook group, the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help Facebook group, where I want to offer more content related to motivating caregivers and educating caregivers on lots of different topics. I'm also creating a newsletter. So if you would like to be part of that newsletter, click the links in the show notes and see you there.